Thunder and Lightning Puppy Dreams for Kids, Episode 10, Space Camp. One of the best dreams I ever had was after my 11-year-old master, Gabe Xanadu, and I went to space camp. My buddy, Thunder, another three-month-old pup, whose master was Alex, Gabe's 13-year-old brother, couldn't go this time. After our short course version of space camp, Gabe called me into the family SUV. Lightning, what did you think of our space camp adventure? I scampered into the seat beside my master, licking his face several times. Okay, okay. He gave me a hug. I guess you loved it as much as I did. I crawled into his lap and laid my head down for the ride home. In seconds, I was out. My dream started as Master Gabe registered at the front desk of the space camp building for the accelerated course while I sat on the floor by his side. Is that a dog? The man behind the desk looked at me. That little Shih Tzu doesn't look like a dog. He looks like an orange rag mop. He shook his head. Your pet can't come with you. He's not my pet. He's my Gabriel. My master's mother stood behind him. If the rules are that you can't take lightning in, you have to abide by them. Gabe's dad patted his shoulder. We'll see you in three days. Enjoy your time. My boy lifted me to his face and rubbed his cheek against my hair. Be good, lightning. As we left, I stopped outside the glass door to look at him. He had tears in his eyes. Honey, he's crying. Gabe's mom touched his dad's hand. He'll be all right. He put his arm around her waist and squeezed on my leash. We need to get lightning in the car and get him on the road. Dad opened the tailgate of our car and told me to jump in. When I tried and missed, he put me inside and took off my leash. The back of the SUV was full of bags of clothing to drop off at a charity store. Some old furniture they were taking to friends, a pile of books, and an old army blanket. I squirmed between the furniture and settled on the blanket, almost completely hidden. I sighed, missing Gabe already. Ouch! Gabe's mom yelled. My ankle! Dad brushed to help mom and left the tailgate open. Very tempting. If I jumped out of the SUV, I could run into the bushes, then track down Gabe, and we could enjoy space camp together. They'd never know I was gone until it was time for me to eat later in the day. Honey, you need to sit down. Dad opened a car door, probably the front passenger seat. Let me look at that ankle. Mom let out a squeak. Ow! Don't twist it. I snuck to the open tailgate. The coast was clear. I dropped onto the asphalt road, which curved behind us away from Mom and Dad. I galloped toward the bushes that lined the road and crawled through the branches until I was out of sight. I reversed my position to watch the SUV. Let's go to the clinic at home to have that ankle checked. Dad closed the tailgate without looking inside. I have to work tomorrow. We'll have to do it tonight. He got in the SUV, turned on the engine, and drove away. 
I was free. In the warm, sunny weather, I followed my nose, tracking my boy's scent. When I got to the sidewalk, I stopped. People would see me and stop me from getting in. There had to be another way. Taking my time, I wound through the landscaped flowers, trees, and bushes that surrounded the building. I found some interesting bugs along the way, but lost interest when they didn't want to play. A rich smell came from behind the building. I could smell food, rotting tomatoes, vegetables, some discarded meat, all mixed in with other scents I didn't like, mostly engine oils and cleaning sprays. When I rounded the corner, I realized I couldn't get into the dumpster where the smells came from, but a piece of beef lay on the ground. I gobbled it up. A white panel van roared up to the back of the building near the garbage area. I darted toward the cover of the bushes and watched. Two men and a woman got out from the, of the front of the van, opened the back doors, and pulled a long cart full of cleaning supplies, brooms, mops, and rags. My nose twitched. I almost sneezed. Disinfectant spray made my nose itchy. One man went back to the panel van. The other pointed at the door. He spoke to the woman and she nodded. She pushed the cart up a ramp to the door. Holding it in place with one hand, she walked around to the front and pulled a key from her pocket. The men got back in the van and drove away. Now was my chance. While the woman unlocked the door, I scampered over the asphalt and sidewalk. I lunged into a small pocket full of rags and dug inside. I pulled my tail inside and lay it on top of my nose. The lady pulled the cart into the building. The air conditioning of the building felt more comfortable than the hotter air outside. Wheeling the cart along the corridor, the woman stopped. I heard doors opening automatically. She bumped the cart into a small room. What floor did he say? She talked to herself. I think it was the boys' sleeping area on floor four. She punched a button, and I felt the floor move up. We must be on an elevator. When we stopped, the door swooshed open, and she rolled the cart out of the door. After walking for a few minutes, she stopped the cart, then came to my side. I hid my nose and eyes under my tail. That's crazy. Her voice got really close to me. I've never seen an orange rag mop before. I'll have to try it in the bunk room area when I get there to clean. Her hand brushed my hair as she pulled out a couple of regular rags. Moments later, she sang quietly as she sprayed disinfectant. The smell was horrible. Her voice sounded echoey and farther away. I popped my head out of the rags and saw a big room with sinks, bathroom stalls, tile floors, and some mirrors. I sneezed. What was that? The lady backed out of a stall. I shoved my head into the rags. There's not supposed to be anyone around here. She approached the cart. They're all supposed to be downstairs going to space camp. The woman repositioned the cart to block the doorway into the bathroom better, then went back inside. I wiped my nose on a rag, then peered over the edge of the pocket I was in. 
She went into the second stall. I leaped out of the cart, dashed down the hall, and found myself in an area with lots of bunk beds. I sniffed around and found Gabe's scent. I tracked it all the way to the back of the room. His gear lay on top of the lower bunk bed. I jumped onto the cover, nestling myself into his stuff, and took a nap. Later, I heard lots of noise from the hall and peeked over the side of Gabe's stuff. Lots of boys poured into the room, shouting, laughing, bumping into each other. They hustled to their bunks. Gabe rounded the corner to his bed, and I leaped into his arms. Lightning! He hugged me really hard. How did you get here? I licked his cheek. Hey, Gabe's got a dog. A boy with dark hair leaned over Gabe's shoulder. Can I pet him? Sure, Jimmy. I licked his hand and he rubbed my head. Soon half the boys were playing with me. Did you sneak him in? A red-haired boy tugged on my ear. Nope. Gabe pulled me away from him. My parents took him to the SUV. He must have escaped from there. They'll have to come and get him. A tall boy nodded at me. We live eight hours away. Gabe scratched my neck. I'm not sure dad or mom can get him because they both work. We should make Lightning our team mascot. That's it. Jimmy punched Gabe in the shoulder. He's our mascot. The first dog in space. We're late. A tall boy grabbed a hat off his bunk and raced out the door. Let's go. Jimmy ruffled my hair and sprinted toward the door. You heard him. Gabe tossed me to the floor. We've got a mission to fly in two days. We followed everyone else. When we arrived in our classroom, the instructor, who was a United States Army colonel, raised an eyebrow at me and Gabe. Gabe Xanadu, we'll have to talk about this after class. We're five minutes late getting started. Let's begin with learning about the space shuttle. The colonel, who told the campers to call him Colonel Carl, clicked a remote control in his hand and showed us a picture of the shuttle on a launch pad at Cape Canaveral. The shuttle looks like a big airplane attached to a huge tank of liquid hydrogen and oxygen with two external solid rocket fuel boosters. The shuttle also has three main engines. I listened contentedly, not understanding the words, while the colonel spoke. I dozed on and off while laying in Gabe's lap. After class, the colonel took us to an office where the space camp administrator argued that I had to leave. When Gabe explained his parents' situation, that I would obey orders, at least most of the time, that I was house trained, could eat scraps from the cafeteria, and that I would not be a pest, the administrator said she'd think about it. The colonel said he didn't think having a dog was an issue, and that it would be a one-time exception to see how a dog would fare in space. The administrator sighed. Oh, I guess we can try it. Day one and two of space camp were exciting. We rode several special machines. At first, the instructors didn't want to let me participate, but Gabe convinced Colonel Carl that I could handle it, and having me go along with him would be a great experiment. 
On day one, I rode on a machine called the Five Degrees of Freedom. We climbed in a seat in the center of three different metal circles, like hula hoops, each one bigger than the next. Gabe strapped me in a backpack on his lap. Then we spun forward, backward, left, right, upside down, and at all kinds of angles. The direction changed every few seconds. I loved it. After our entire blue team got done, we went outside to a huge pool. They had a mock-up of the shuttle front cabin with open holes for windows. I had to stay on the side of the pool next to Colonel Carl. Stay, Lightning, Gabe made me sit. Everything's fine. All of our blue team, six campers dressed in swimsuits and t-shirts, got into the mock-up, waving out the windows at us. A crane lifted the shuttle, swung it over the water, and lowered it into the pool. When the bottom of the shuttle hit the water, I barked. Roof! Steady lightning, Colonel Carl stroked my fur. It's a test. The shuttle kept sinking. Soon the water gushed in through the windows. I growled and stood. Don't get nervous, the Colonel grinned. Evacuation procedures start now. A precise voice came from a loudspeaker. The team unfastened their seatbelts. Gabe was the first out, the others following him quickly, except for one. A boy named Mike shouted, My seatbelt stuck! I could sense his fear. I paced on the side of the pool. Gabe turned around to rescue Mike, swimming through a window near the front. I barked several times, roof, 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 then ran to the side of the pool and leaped into the water. It felt so good to have cool water on such a hot day. Gabe had disappeared into the mock-up, and I paddled furiously, dodged several team members who tried to catch me, and dove inside. The boy, Mike, strained to keep his mouth above water in order to breathe, but the mock-up kept going lower. Gabe wrestled with the seatbelt, trying to unbuckle the clasp, but it wasn't working. Mike took a deep breath and held it as the shuttle went lower than the water. Gabe searched for something to cut the strap, but no emergency equipment was inside. I saw a flashing light behind Gabe. Dove, my legs working like pistons in an engine to drive myself to the light. When I reached the light, I saw it was a square button. I needed air. Fast! I pushed off the front panel, pressing my hind legs against two of the buttons. Through the water, I heard a dull click. When I surfaced, there was barely an inch of air left in the shuttle's cabin. I took a gulp, then headed back to free the boy. He was gone! I saw Gabe's legs go out a window hole and followed, stroking to get to the surface. After a gulp of air, I saw Mike was with Gabe, slapping him on the back. Thanks, buddy. Lightning just saved my life. I doggy paddled to the edge of the pool, and Colonel Carl scooped me out of the water. Our lowering machine didn't work properly. The older man handed me to Gabe. We'll make sure that never happens again. Lightning, the hero! 
Mike came over, sweeping me out of Gabe's hands, and gave me a big hug. He punched the emergency release button at the front of the shuttle's cockpit. He held me up in the air. Three cheers for lightning! After the team clapped and cheered, Mike returned me to Gabe. That's some special dog you have. Gabe gave me a squeeze. Yes, he is. And he's my best friend. We did some leadership exercises in the afternoon, going into some nearby woods where different people were put in charge. My master got picked twice to lead the group. Gabe Xanadu, you're an excellent leader, Colonel Carl nodded. Plus, you have a hero for a dog. On day two, my boy and I got to work on the one-six gravity chair that made it feel as though we were working on the moon. The camp staff followed that with the multi-axis trainer in the afternoon, where we worked on repairing the shuttle in space. We took several short bus trips to the NASA training areas, launched rockets, competed against each other teams, and worked on computers. At the end of the day, I was exhausted and slept through the night. On day three, the final day of our camp, Gabe was made the commander for the shuttle for the last major exercise. Listen up, blue team. Colonel Carl gave us our final briefing. You're competing against the red and white teams for this two-hour exercise. You'll be graded on accomplishment of the goals for the mission specialists in space, cruise safety, and the landing. Make me proud. He shut the door of our shuttle simulator, and our final exam began. I sensed Gabe's concern. Laying down on his lap was more difficult because he was in a spacesuit. Gloves covered his hands, and he wore a helmet. But I could reach his face. I stood on his lap and licked his nose. Lightning! <laughs> he laughed along with all the other kids. The tension in the air went away. Ten seconds to launch. Gabe closed the plastic face plate of his helmet. Everyone seal your headgear and report issues as they occur. Gabe and the blue team members worked hard and solved most of the issues that arose, but one of the experiments for the mission specialists failed. Don't worry. Jimmy, the pilot of the shuttle, prepared for reentry. We've got this. The countdown for engine burn to bring us out of orbit went off perfectly. When we got to the point of landing on the runway, my boy focused on an emergency with an auxiliary system that needed rebooted before we touched down. Jimmy stared at the controls in front of him. Several lights flashed. He seemed confused. I jumped from Gabe's lap to Jimmy's, trying to lick his nose to get his attention, but his helmet was sealed shut. When that didn't work, I tapped the buttons with my paws in the order that they had started flashing. After I touched three of them, Jimmy nodded, and he finished the process. After landing, Jimmy hugged me and even kissed the side of my face. You saved us again, Lightning. Colonel Carl's smile showed off his white teeth. Way to go. You won the competition. We're home, Gabe scratched me under my collar, right where I liked it best, interrupting my dream. I gave him a lick on the nose. 
I had the best master ever. We spent lots of exciting times together. I couldn't wait for our next trip. I hope you've enjoyed the season's final episode of the Thunder and Lightning Puppy Dreams for Kids podcast. You can subscribe to Aaron Zook's channel to follow the Puppy Dreams series and tell your friends about the three terrific podcasts Aaron M. Zook Jr. has created of the Thunder and Lightning Young Adult Mystery Adventure series for fourth grade students and above. You can also find Aaron Zook's books on his website, zookbooks.org or at boldvisionbooks.com. That's B-O-L-D-V-I-S-I-O-N-B-O-O-K-S.com. Sign up for Aaron's newsletter to keep track of the next season of Thunder and Lightning Puppy Dreams.